Looking into the room, you see guards with their backs currently to you. Between you and them is a large, comfortable-looking couch. Okay. Um, I want to try and sneak into the room and, and hide behind the couch, like, so I can listen in on them. Okay, okay. Uh, roll stealth. Okay. Uh, uh, you, you took my dice at the beginning of the game. I can't roll... Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. I I forgot to tell you. I've converted our game to a paid game. Now you have to pay to make a dice roll. Pay? What do you mean pay? Oh, it, it's really simple. Don't don't get worried. It, it's not going to overcomplicate the game. So for a D20 roll, you would pay $2. For a D12, you'll pay a dollar. I've got the whole rate sheet right here. Wait a minute. Is is this why you've been ramping up all the number of skill checks we've been having each session? This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about getting paid to play. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. And as you may have guessed, we are talking about uh, running paid sessions as a as a DM, which I will freely admit is kind of uh, can be a contentious topic when you really bring it out into people in general. So before we get started, I think that we probably need to define what paid DMing isn't, and then we can talk a little bit about, about more about what it is. So I I, I want to start off with saying paid DMing isn't like we had in the intro. It's not telling your friends that you're suddenly going to charge them to run games for them. Uh, no one is saying that uh, that a group of friends should have some sort of financial obligation to play this game together. That's absolutely not what we're talking about here. So before you get into this, like, I'll never pay charge my friends to play, play the game, we wouldn't expect you to. Uh, <laughs> and we wouldn't really expect any paid DM to do that. Uh, unless there's some very rare circumstance. So what are some other things that uh, that paid DMing is not, Danielle? <laughs> well, it is, uh, it's definitely not a get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, in yep. fact, it is not even a get-rich scheme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we'll uh, talk a little bit about, the, about the, the finances of this a little later in the episode. But, but I, I would agree, it, if you are going to be wealthy off of being a paid dm um you're either just paying making people pay out the nose and somehow getting it or you're just running games every minute every waking minute (laughs) oh exactly it would it would be super it i wouldn't say labor intensive but like creativity intensive (laughs) yeah and i mean it's a surefire way to have dm burnout um oh absolutely uh, so uh, other things that this isn't this isn't a way to ruin the game or the fun for the players. I know that there are some folks out there who who say that like paid DMing is just the antithesis of D and D, and and it just it's going to ruin D and D forever. No, um, there there's still games that are run by by friend groups and by people who do it for free and 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 have fun doing it. Uh, this is a totally different situations so doing one thing is not going to ruin the other things for everybody else no not unless the entire every single dm on the planet is like you know what i'm done doing this for free and everyone decides to start charging at the exact same time in which case um i don't even think if that would actually ruin it that would just change it forever yeah that's also impossible 
And I got to say that if if those DMs were able to, and that would be like including you and me, uh, were able to coordinate such a global effort um, that uh, that close together, man, we would have some pretty pretty superpowers, and we could probably focus on some things other than just getting paid to DM. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's only one important part: D and D. And it's uh, also so, it's also yeah. not a requirement to play the game. Uh, obviously, no. there are people that have played this game for many many years have never paid a dime to have a have a DM there. That's perfectly fine if that's if that's uh, what you've got in front of you and that's what you want to play. Nobody's saying that you have to change that. No, absolutely not, dude. And like I've I could always un- like understand from a certain perspective, like even with just your friends. Um, if the DM is the primary person who's who's buying all the miniatures and all the terrain and doing everything, that can get really cost intensive. Yep. Um, so even if it's not a pay per session thing with your friends, um, if if the DM is soaking tons and tons of money into this, might not be the worst idea to be like, hey, you know, does anybody want to pitch to help me get the new set of minis or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think we've talked enough about what paid DMing isn't. Let's maybe move on to what it is, and then we can, after that, talk about why someone would even go into uh, to looking for a paid DM. So what it is, it's a way for you to offer your DM services to people that you may not know, because... As a DM, you've probably got a friend group, or maybe you don't. Maybe you've got these awesome DMing skills, you move to a new town, and you don't have anybody to play with, but you, at the same time, don't want to just like have a bunch of strangers that you don't know anything about and running a game for them. Um, some people do that. I, I did that with, with my group, but uh, some people want to have some sort of financial contribution to make sure that everybody's kind of committed to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of committed to the game, if you do have players um, who are paying you to be there, uh, there's a really good chance you're not going to end up with those people who are just sitting there playing on their phones or not paying attention um, because they, they've actively made an investment into this activity. Yep. Um, they they are officially bought into it. Uh, so it's probably also a really good way to uh, to almost like virtually guarantee that your players are there to play like they they had to pay to play they're there to play yep really just making sure that uh everybody's there everybody's committed because they've got a financial uh a financial commitment there <laughs> mm-hmm and and w- another thing that it is, it is a way to, while we said it's not really a, a get-rich-quick scheme or re- even really a, a get-rich scheme, it is a way to be compensated for the time and resources that you've dedicated to the game. We, we mentioned earlier that, um, especially being a DM, you can have quite a, quite a burden with minis and software and books and all of the things that go into it. And not only that, but the actual time that you put into it, because there's prep time. Uh, whether it's whether it's prepping, understanding what the backstories of your players are and how you might integrate those or, or building out 19 different storylines because players always go in different directions <laughs> that you don't expect or building out this immersive world, um, uh, whatever it may be, creating battle maps, um, all of those things take time and, and resources. So a lot of people will, will consider this as a way 
not necessarily to make a profit, but just to, to get a little bit closer to <laughs> to coming out even, um, and, yeah. and probably not even not even that in a lot of cases. Uh, it really just depends on on the business that you're running. Yeah, it also depends on how many miniatures you've invested in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I've seen some setups where it's like you you'll never make that money back. <laughs> like that's just gone. <laughs> But hey, if you're having fun, that's okay. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like if you're having fun, that's that's what you want to invest your money in. You go for it. Yep. But uh, so that's so. Why would somebody pay for a DM though? Right? Is because you've got you know why would I want to DM like that? You know because they're compensating me for some of my investment and my time and stuff. But as yep. far as why someone a person would want to pay for a DM, well, maybe they. Yeah, have been playing D and D for like twenty years. Who knows? They've been playing D and D for a long time, but their DM is burnt out, or maybe moved away, or something like that. And none of the players um, want to step into the role of being the DM, but they all still want to play together. They might all be willing to to pitch in. It's like you know what? Let's just pay someone. Nobody here has to take the bullet. We can all just. Give money to someone else who will do all the work, and they'll just come in, and we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, and and to that, sometimes the DM just wants to be a player and wants to play with the group of people that he's been running a game for, and and it may not even just it may not even be mm-hmm. nobody wanting to step up. It may just be like, hey, I want to be a player with all of you because you have so much crazy fun, and and yeah, I'm having fun too, but I'd like to have fun as a player. So let's let's bring somebody in. Uh, to run a campaign or run a few sessions, whatever that may be, so that we can we can all have fun as players together. Yeah, that's that would be interesting, especially after DMing people for like a long time. I could definitely see that like being a thing. Yeah, I mean, there's I, I've definitely had groups that I've run games for that I was like, man, I I could I could like enjoy playing a game with them as a player, so. Yeah. Um, another thing is maybe you've got a bunch of people who have never played D&D before, like a, mm-hmm. tons of new people, and maybe they don't know anybody who knows D&D, nobody to teach them, nobody to run the game. And uh, and like I know when, when I first started into D&D, uh, we got the books and we sat down and we read them. We understood none of it, and we just started rolling dice and, <laughs> and fighting monsters. <laughs> and it, it took us like a long time to learn the rules. But uh, we were kids. We had all the time in the world. And maybe there's a group of adults out there, or kids, who knows, that just don't want to go through that process. And they want to bring somebody in who knows the stuff. They can teach them how to do it. They can almost guarantee a good experience because you're not going to be holding up the game, trying to learn the rules, going, what's 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 a this thing and and what's a what's a what's a five step movement? How big is a square? It's like oh no, <laughs> you know. And so you bring somebody and you pay them, and then you can really get a much better experience on what D and D is, especially for a group of new people. Yeah, and and if you think about a lot of the recent popularity of of D and D. It does revolve around adults that are getting into this, adults that maybe have never played a role role playing game before, and so um, in addition to maybe not knowing the rules, not understanding it, they also have limited time because they're probably working, maybe they have kids, and so 
maybe they just want to understand how to play it and have somebody guide them rather than spending mm-hmm. a lot of time reading the book to try and figure it out, uh, which is a perfectly valid reason. Uh, time is time is money, uh, and so if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna <laughs> save time, you may as well spend that money on on somebody to teach you how to play it. Wow, I'm <laughs> I'm just following this path down a down a path. <laughs> uh, Another way that uh, that you could see um, why somebody would pay for DM is is a lot of local game stores will sometimes host uh, host game nights and they'll pay for a DM to come in and sit in the store. Now this is not necessarily the players that are paying for it. This is the the game store owner trying to drum up more interest in the particular game and getting people to come there. And hopefully if they get interested and come there, they'll buy more stuff, books and minis and all the other stuff. Um, mm. And and so that's, uh, that is is definitely um, a way to do that. And yeah, some, some places will have uh, games where the DM is, is free, but some of them want to make sure that they've got some sort of level of quality or some sort of level of control over the DM. Uh, because as the game store owner, you can say, listen, this is the type of games that we're going to be running. And, and, uh, I don't, I don't care that you really want to run this dark gritty thing. We're not doing that because we're going to have, have kids and families and stuff come in here and play. Yeah. I want picnics and unicorns and that's it. Now, speaking of kids, is that's another um, way that that could happen? Is a parent who has a kid who wants like a, a like a D and D themed birthday party or something like that, and and if that parent has no idea what that entails, um, they might be likely to just be like, you know what? Let's just hire somebody. They say that they can can converse with this group of thirteen year olds and make them have fun <laughs> with these dice, and that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and and I will say that um, my experience with with paid DMing really revolves around that. I've done a, a one or two situations where somebody's asked me to come in and 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 do a, a kids party, and it was fun. Uh, you do have to have a certain temperament. Uh, if you hate kids, mm. then it's probably not the way for you to be a paid DM. But uh, but if you if you go in understanding what you're getting into and and as long as there's not too many kids, because uh, I I I I think I've mentioned before <laughs> I've run games for my kids when they were younger. We had one game with uh, seven plus kids playing, and it Ooh. it was herding cats to the to the extreme degree. So if you oh, aren't yeah. running games for kids, I do recommend you, you limit the number just to. Again, keep that hurting to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that honestly, that just sounds like so chaotic. Um, but I bet you super creative as well. Yep. In a way that's just amazing. Um, another reason that somebody could want to pay for a DM, and this could just be a nat- like just we want to pay for a DM. It's not because they can't find anybody. It's not because of this. It's because they want to ensure that they have a very high quality game. Um if you're going to pay for a DM, it's not just going to be, you know, Tom from down the street. He's going to show up in, and he's going to throw a bunch of books on the table and he's going to sit there and finish his prep work for 45 minutes while everybody visits <laughs> and, and et cetera, et cetera. They're, you know, they're paying to have a high quality game. They want, they want the minis, they want the terrain, they want the voices and they're going to pay for it. Yeah. And, and this is one of those situations where it could be a group of players that all know each other that have had um, DMs 
either from the group or, or people that, that they brought in from the outside that just didn't work out. Um, either the, the storytelling was lackluster or they just didn't have fun or, or they were a terrible person and, <laughs> and, and said <laughs> terrible things in the game, which it has happened. Uh, yeah. uh, so whatever the reason, this, this is definitely a, a valid reason for, uh, for going, going the paid route. The the yeah. last item that we have here, and by by no means is this lost this list exhaustive, but the last is is corporate team building events. Uh, there have been a number of of uh, of companies that have have looked to using D and D as a team building event because really it sort of is. You you have this story being laid out in front of you and. And typically, you need to work as a team to overcome obstacles and and use creative thinking. And so it's it is something that companies are starting to look into. Uh, actually, the um, uh, a good friend of mine was a was a CEO of a company recently, um, and he told me that they were looking at doing this. And now he went the route of he was going to learn how to be a DM, and uh, he was really interested in the podcast as a result. <laughs> but I, I could also see a world where he decided, yeah, I, I, I just want to play with the team so that I can p- be part of the team building. So, Yeah, and that's that's fair. I could see that. I think if I was to do that, I would definitely want to be on the playing side of it instead mm-hmm. of being a DM, especially as the boss. Yeah. Um, because then you can build with the team instead of propagating this this boss and non-boss scenario. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and especially with with people that are not as familiar with role playing games, it can get into this whole player versus DM thing, and you've got the boss as the DM, and so both mm-hmm. parties can be kind of upset in the end if you if you go into it like that if you're not really careful. <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah, that's something to pay attention to. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Do you like quests? If so, I have good news for you. Darkwind, the sponsor of this episode of Becoming DM, is full of quests for your character to pursue. Whether it's finding the components to make a potion, dealing with the town bully, assembling an ancient artifact, or just finding a collar for the local stray, there are a lot of quests to check out. And they're all ranked by level, so you know what you're getting into before you start off. You can play Darkwind and check out all of the quests for free. Just go to play.darkwind.org to start your character today. Now let's get back to the show. Let's talk about some things to consider when you uh, when you yeah. uh, decide to do paid DMing. So this is all like all the things, and and this is really the bulk of the episode. Um, I think the rest of the episode is actually just things you should consider and, and what our <laughs> advice around that is. So I'll let you kind of get us kicked off, Daniel. All right. Well, things you should consider if you're planning on being a, P- a paid DM is uh, is to, to know the rules, right? Um, expectations of a lot of paid players is going to be a thorough knowledge of the rules uh, so that there's no looking up rules mid-game. Um, you don't have... you. Sh- hopefully won't have to deal with rules lawyers because you have to be the rules lawyer. You have to know yep. how the game works. They are paying you to know how the game works. <laughs> yeah. And it's important to note that, 
that as we go through some of this stuff, you'll be like, well, that's just being a DM. Uh, and and it, depending upon how you DM, that may be the case. But for uh, for a lot of people, I think it's, yes, it's just being a DM, but it's taking it to that next level. Uh, because I, I've been at a number of games where the DM is fairly knowledgeable in the rules, but there's always that situation that comes up where they're looking through the book in the middle of the game going, oh, this is what we do when you have to, when you're trying to tie a knot over a fire that's suspended over a pit. Um, mm-hmm. um, or learning the rules for mounted combat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like we should mention the unstated mount rule again for the third episode in a row. <laughs> One day um, we're going to have to read those rules. <laughs> <laughs> so on the uh, on that preparation, uh, it, it, in addition to understanding the rules, you also need to really understand the story, whether it's your own fully built uh, world and storyline, which I had understood that that was what most paid DMs did. But when, and when we were looking before this game at a couple of paid DM sites, uh, there were a couple that had rates for running pre-written adventure. So whether it's one or the other, you need to be familiar with with the the story itself and what those story options are, uh, as well as the world that the game is running in. Um, so silly things like having names prepared for locations or characters, things like that. So where you're not going, uh, his name's Boblin Goblin. Boblin Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. I would hire that goblin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, unless you're unless you're an, an impeccably well trained and practiced like improv artist, you're gonna want to have stuff ready um, beforehand. Uh, not to mention knowing your story, because as much as improv can be fun, it's really hard to build twists and turns into into a well written story when it's not a well-written story and you're just throwing things off the cuff, the chances of those things landing in a plot twist scenario is actually pretty slim. (laughs) Yeah, and to that, um, one of the things you might consider if you're really considering being seriously paid DM where you're doing a lot of it, it might not be a bad idea to take some improv classes just to get the muscle built up to where when mm-hmm. the players do something that is unexpected, that truly is unexpected and not something that you could have planned for, that you can more easily roll with it from the from the story perspective. Absolutely. It's it it I think it'd be fun or a good idea, I should say, for for really any DM to take like a couple improv classes. I never have, um, but I would love to if I lived in a bigger center. I could probably do it online. Anyways. Um <laughs> So, so uh, I, I kind of went off on my own tangent. I'm back now. Uh, if you're being a paid DM, another thing is that uh, you're you're probably running, a, or you should be running, a very immersive experience. Uh, so, really, like like John said earlier, is we're upping the game, right? Somebody's paying you to up the game, and so you're looking at maps, miniatures, um, possible like in like if you're in person, maybe those like terrain pieces or a digital map setup, uh, a thorough tie-in of character backgrounds into the storyline. If these people come to the table with full backgrounds for their characters because they're excited about this, they're going to want their characters built into the story in some way. Yep, and so some of that is really going to be before you get into that first game. 
communicating with the players, whether it's via email, via some form on your website, whatever, to understand what that backstory is so that you can think about how to incorporate it. Because uh, unless you're just really great at improv, incorporating backstories is, I think, harder than just improving off the cuff storyline. Mm-hmm. Well, you need to know their back their backgrounds, right? Yeah. And so no matter what, you have to sit down, you have to read through their backgrounds, you have to consider how that like what's going on in your world that has anything to do with any of this stuff that they wrote down. Yep. Um, some other things to consider are, are, are there other services that you provide in addition to running a game? Um, some things that I've, I've heard other people doing is like a new player orientation session. So that help that basically you walk through, uh, the, uh, creation of characters with the players. Uh, you can even have kind of like some basic rules discussions so that you don't have to bog down the game when you, when these people get um, actually into the game. So that, I mean, even something as simple as, hey, these are the dice. This is a 20-sided die. Um, <laughs> stuff like that, I think, I think could really help you stand out to some extent. And, and depending upon how you approach it, it could be a, a different kind of paid engagement or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that stuff is really helpful for people who have never played a game before. Because yep. uh, I've talked to a number of new players who find who, who are interested in it. But when you look at knowing that everybody else at the table has however many years of experience or whatever, and you're walking in and you're like, what's a character sheet? That can be very intimidating for people. And so having somebody sit down with them beforehand and be like, yeah, this is how this works. This is what this is called. This is how you play Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder, yep. um, whatever it is, that can that can be really helpful. Yeah, uh, you could also do things like mini painting sessions. We have already talked about how how providing that immersive experience, which could mean bringing minis to your game that are already painted and look cool and stuff like that, uh, could be part of your offering. Uh, one of the things you could do is have a mini painting session if you're if you have that skill set, uh, where where you can work with with players so that they can paint their own mini. And by doing that, you could, you could provide paint, you could provide the, 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 you could even provide the mini if you wanted to go that far, but usually recommend <laughs> having players pick out their own and walk them through, like, here's how you paint a mini. Like we're going to put on the primer then we're going to do this and this and this. And, oh, you want to have, you want Rothgar to have a, a giant sword. Here's how we would paint that sword, whatever that might be. <laughs> yeah. Or if maybe maybe you can't do minis, but you're good at other stuff, uh, like or or just providing the service of are you the person who's responsible for the food and the drink, mm-hmm. right? Because in our group it's a rotating thing. Um, yep. But if if they're expecting you to bring pizza, or it maybe you want to step it up a notch and make it a more immersive experience, and be like, well, my characters are in in Northumbria tonight, so we're gonna have walnut mash with some other super Northumbrian dish. You know, <laughs> I don't know, Orcish cake, whatever it is. You you know, you can make it more immersive. I, there's there's like entire blogs out there dedicated to um, food and drink from like TV shows and fantasy settings and stuff like that, which is kind of fun. Yep, I mean, you could even like kick it up a notch more and just like, every session make something or multiple things out of that D and D Heroes Feast cookbook. Um, lots of lots of options there. <laughs> There's a cookbook. There is. It's called. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's called Heroes Feast. 
I'm Googling it. <laughs> <laughs> On with the show. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so another another thing that you could potentially consider as a service that you provide is a location. Now, if you provide a, if you're providing a location and you're somehow including that in your cost, then you should probably have a reason that you're including that in your cost. Maybe it's an awesome location with with this uh, this mood setting decor or something like that. I mean, if you have that, then awesome. I would. Probably, if I was going to pay for a DM, I would probably pay extra for that. I think I think that that would be a really good selling point if you were trying to become a paid DM. Is mm-hmm. having like a really epic location to play in. Yep, absolutely. But it's also probably the most expensive investment that you could make because either you're inviting all these people to your own house and um, fully renovating mm-hmm. some sort of room in in your house. Unless you've uh, or, already just done that for fun. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> um, so moving on, some other things to consider is is how much you're going to charge people for this, because that is a big question. And I, it's a question I see a lot of people asking on message boards and stuff like that is how much how much do I charge? And it's it's not as simple as just saying, oh, yeah, the rate is this many dollars an hour. There's a lot of things that you have to consider. Um, things like, is this a corporate game? Because corporate games are, are typically going to be billed at a higher rate. First off, because the corporate is is willing to do so. Second off, because a lot of people at the corporate game probably don't want to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, um, is it a game store game? Is it a, is it a birthday party type thing like we talked about with the kids? Is it a, is it a personal game? All of those are probably going to have different rates, and and it's going to depend upon you and what you see the level of effort as for those as to what is higher versus lower. I personally think a birthday party is probably higher. Um, a personal game may be lower. A game store game may be lower. Uh, but the corporate and party, I would say, absolutely are probably going to be the higher higher rates of 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 the games that you might run. I would definitely agree though with like the party being higher and corporate, but party especially because you've got a bunch of people who are um excited, right? Mm-hmm. And so it it gets a little bit harder. What what did you you call it cat herding or something before? Herding the cats, yeah. Herding the cats. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's and, and, I, I like I like the imagery with that. <laughs> and to that, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but the other thing to understand about those birthday parties, it's it's a one-off thing. So it is not a, a repeat session for a long-term campaign or anything like that. So that's also something uh, which we'll talk about here in a minute that you need to consider is, is it a one-shot or not? Speaking of one-shots, is that uh, a lot of times when people run one-shots, they can tend to be two-shots or three-shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're running a birthday party, that is not an option. Yeah. Uh, you have to have your timing down because it is a one-shot. You're leaving at 8 o'clock because the kids have a bedtime. You better yep. be finished your story. Yeah. So some other things that may uh, may adjust that price is how immersive is your experience? We we just talked through all of these things that you should consider as far as immersiveness and all the things that you could do. Now, you don't have to do all of those. Um, it's recommended to do at least some of them to, to kind of warrant being a paid DM. But depending upon your storytelling and stuff like that, you may not need all of that. Uh, but 
the more immersive your your experience is, the more things that you bring in to, to provide that immersiveness, I think uh, will adjust the the cost on the upward trend. Now, there is a, a an outlay of funds to, to get it to that point. So you are paying for what you invest, right? Mm-hmm. Another thing to consider when you're thinking about how much to charge is how long are the sessions? Mm-hmm. Because this isn't like, you know, just show up for two hours and then go and then come back. That's not really how D&D works. And so you're looking at if you're running a, you know, a, a four-hour session versus an eight-hour session, that's going to have a pretty bit, big impact on what's going on because it changes how much you need to prepare ahead of time, not to mention how good your improv skills need to be because you can only plan so far ahead of a party. Yeah, the uh, and and it's it's also kind of like how worn out are you going to be at the end of the session? Because after eight, eight hours is a long time to run a game, especially with people you don't know and don't know what to yeah. expect. That's mm-hmm. a long time because you got to be on your toes the entire time, and uh, it's a lot. Yeah, I, I could definitely see somebody charging extra for that, but I could also see not a lot of people hiring for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Another thing that would impact cost is is like we were talking about before, is it a one-shot? You know, that's fine. But if it's a recurring long-term campaign, you might price the sessions lower because there's a bit less prep work to do because this town of 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 cardwood still exists. You know, you made it for two sessions ago. It's still there. They're still coming in. They're still using it. And so you don't actually have to prep as much in that regard or just because you want the recurrent um, revenue coming in you price them lower to hopefully keep them on your payroll, sort of, not payroll, but giving you money. You want them to give you money. Yeah, and and, and that's an important piece of it. The other thing, the other thing to, to kind of consider with that is every time you have to go out and find a new customer, there's a cost associated with that. Your time, uh, whatever resources that you're using to advertise, um, mm-hmm. all of that stuff has a has a, a hard or a soft cost to it. So if you are able to have a recurring game and keep that recurring game going, then it's saving you money from having to do those other things for this particular time slot that you're running the game in. So something to, to keep in mind for that, too. That is that is a really good point. Um, another thing is, is uh, do you have people who can vouch for you, right? Like, do you have... Like references, I don't like people don't call your references though. It's like yeah, I'm a paid DM. Call call Ed. He's he'll <laughs> he'll tell you I'm a, I'm great at this. <laughs> just, yeah, here's I his think phone that number. I think that from a reference point of view, it, it helps to have quotes from customers, so you can include that in whatever marketing you're going to do, whether it's a website or a pamphlet or whatever. Oh, John is the best. He he just had our our party going, and we were shocked at the end, or whatever, whatever the quote may be, uh, to just show that like, hey, there's there's real people that that like me, that uh, that think I'm awesome, and are willing to say something and put it on a poster for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. I guess quotes is about as good as you get. I mean, they do it on books, so why not for DMs? You know. Yeah, well, and and I mean, also to that, it's not just about it is quotes, but it's also word of mouth. Um, hey, my group did this, and it was awesome. You should have your group do this too. Uh, that that can go for corporate events pretty pretty easily, but but also if you've just got groups that happen to know each other um, that are all mm-hmm. looking that are looking for paid DMs, that can that word of mouth can help too. 
It can help. And then if you start your your professional DMing career, and I'm I'm, I'm using the word professional because I think when you get paid for it, you you cross this boundary into professional. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you start off with a lower rate, you know, uh, get more people to try and to and to bring you in and to get like build up this list of references, this list of quotes, this get the word of mouth train going. Uh, by starting off with a lower rate to encourage more people to bring you on. And then as you get busier and you don't have as much free time or maybe it's becoming too too much to do because you have so many people, then you can start upping your rate, um, you know, supply and demand, all that stuff. Yep. Well, I mean, even if you're not talking about supply and demand, I um, a number of years ago, I started a little company and uh, my first customer, it was actually at the request that I started and they were like, hey, listen... Uh, tell me what you think it's going to be, but I think that you should start at a lower rate and then ramp up. And probably by the third interaction, we'll be at your at whatever you think your top rate is. And we did that, and it worked out great. Um, so this could also be a, a oh, way really? for those customers that you're that are uncertain about whether they want to use a paid DM. Be like, hey, let's do a sliding scale. We'll have the first first two be be at a discounted rate, and then we'll oh. slide up to what my normal rate is from there. I like that. That's 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 even better than what I said. Buy a lot. <laughs> uh, but I'm not I'm not very business savvy. That's why I do this for free. <laughs> um another thing you could do is, is to kind of establish yourself. Again, get your name as a as a paid DM, have people understand that this is the thing you do and that you do it well, is run games at a local game store. Now typically in those situations the game store is gonna set whatever price they're willing to pay. So there may not be a whole lot of back and forth negotiation. So you may not get as much as you'd like, but it's a great way to get yourself in front of a lot of different players, especially if this is kind of like a intro getting started. And if you can arrange it, you could also have it be like, hey, if you enjoyed this one, here's my card. I'm happy to to set up a thing with your group and we can continue on from here. Yeah, a great time to hand out the your flyers or your cards, stuff like that. With those um, quotes on them. Yeah, with the, with the quotes. <laughs> so this discussion really ended up being a lot more uh, robust than we anticipated in the beginning. Uh, exciting, uh, but we're going to split this episode into two. So join us in a couple of weeks where we come out with the second half of our Getting Paid, um, I guess, two-part series. And uh, until then, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are becomingdm. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.